This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. All right. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Alex Jimenez. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Fritz Wood. We're going to talk a little bit about the business benefits as they relate to Fear Free. Now, Fritz has been a part of Fear Free almost since the beginning. He is a speaker at our symposia. Fritz Wood owns and operates an animal health consulting practice in Kansas City, and for more than 25 years, he's examined the business of veterinary medicine and high-performing practices. He's an author, speaker, business consultant, key opinion leader, and he also has a vibrant personal financial planning practice where he helps veterinarians reach their lifetime financial goals. If you're free, we like to call him the maven of money. So welcome, Fritz, and uh, we're f- pleasure to have you here today. <laughs> well, that's, that's a very kind introduction, Alex. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. We, um, we appreciate having you on board. So you've been on board almost since the inception of Fear Free as a business. What initially drew you to Fear Free, given that you have this expertise and background in financial planning specific to the veterinary industry? You know, it just immediately resonated with me uh, as the right thing to do, as the right way to do business. Um, veterinary medicine, I think, is, is like maybe every other service business in that, you know, the key to success is happy clients coming back. Uh, you know, there's a, a logic chain I often use in presentations that, that that comes from the Harvard Business School, you know, from 30 years ago, probably, that, uh, uh, that, that you know, it's all about creating experiences uh, that, that, that exceed client expectations. Uh, so they, they have a desire to come back, they return and the data in veterinary medicine is overwhelming. I mean, um, you know, for, for a, a practice could look back, for example, uh, at 2016, um, and I'll bet somewhere between 90 and 95% of the dollars that came into that clinic last year, uh, came from people who were already clients when the year began. So um, I'm, I'm absolutely a fan of social media and, and, and uh, you know Facebook and, and, and being active in those communities and having a vibrant website. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not about new clients. It's about happy people coming back. Uh, you know, there's data uh, from the practice management software companies uh, clearly demonstrate every year a client comes back to a practice, they spend more money. Now, part of that's because that pet is getting older, but there's, you know, there's a host of other reasons also. You're building trust, rapport, relationship. And so so the whole foundation of the business of veterinary medicine rests upon client loyalty and retention. And and fear-free strikes me as just, you know, it's, it's what, it's what pet owners want. It's the right way to do business. Um, you know, I think if we if, if we create an environment that's more comfortable for pets, and by extension, uh, a whole lot more comfortable for for pet owners, then obviously we have a, a more comfortable working environment for employees. We have an environment that uh, that I think the clients more likely to 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 choose to return to in a timely fashion instead of avoid. 
Right, right. And you said, you know, so a happy client, more or less, that equals a returning client, which I think almost anyone who works in the profession, whether it's a practice manager, owner, DVM, technician, anyone who's trying to maximize their the financial side of their practice gets that. But with Fear Free, you can maybe make the argument that a happy client is a result of a happy pet. And so that's one of the things we really try to do. But I think a lot of people wonder, how much does it cost to implement Fear Free? And is it a lot? I know you've talked about in your lectures, the symposia that we have going, that it is sometimes minuscule when you break it down. So what would you say to someone who is wondering, how much does it actually cost to implement Fear Free? Well, I think, uh, first of all, it's a great question. Second of all, uh, the answer is that money or things financial uh, will never be an adequate excuse for someone to uh, fail to embrace fear free. But the way I look at it, Alex, I mean, let, let, let's look at a handful of different big buckets. You know, uh, the first big bucket is is a collection of things that a clinic could do. That, that I would argue cost virtually nothing at all. I mean, just, just um, you know, as I sat through a recent symposium, I just made a list on a, on a back of a napkin of some of the ideas that were put forth by uh, some of the practitioners and behaviorists. Um, but let me give you some examples, you know, um, instructing the client to bring the dog in hungry. Uh, you know, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, you know, having the client wait in the car where they and the pet are more comfortable doesn't cost anything. Uh, you know, giving giving a dog a, a choice where it's examined, talking in a calm and, and happy voice, playing classical music, uh, educating people about uh, cat carrier uh, training, you know, blocking visual stimuli from cages, uh, you know, touch gradient, considered approach, uh, keeping an emotional record for pets, you know, paying strict attention to body language, dimming the lights in the exam room. I mean, there's, I argue there are more than just dozens of things. There are scores of things that a clinic could do as early as tomorrow that don't cost a thing. So that's on the one hand. On, on the other hand, uh, when I hear the, the practitioners and the behaviorists talk about things like chemical restraint, well, that's that's just like any other medication in the sense that it can be assigned to a particular patient, and therefore a particular client is going to pay for it. So if it's, you know, the prilocaine or the lidocaine or the gabapentin or the trazodone or or uh, or these sorts of things, then then I think like any other medication, um, obviously that gets assigned to a, to a specific patient. Uh, and then I think thirdly, you've got this other bucket. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and this is a bucket that you, uh, it is a cost, uh, that can't be attributed to a particular patient, but it is, you know, it's something that's not free. So in, in this bucket, I would throw things like your high value treats, uh, that Dr. Becker, you know, often talks about your, you know, whether it's your, uh, you know, any number of things that, you know, cheddar and bacon, easy cheese or the, you know, baby shrimp or the, the warm turkey, uh, you know, or the fr frozen broth. I mean, so you're, you're going to spend some money on that kind of stuff. Let's say you're going to, you know, uh, 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 most of these people are, uh, most of the, the practitioners and the, the behaviors talk very favorably about things like the pheromones, for example. So, 
if you're using adaptal, you're using feel-away. Those are, those are costs that are not assignable particular patient. Uh, you know, polyester, you know, fleece bedding, uh, lavender and chamomile, maybe uh, using, uh, you know, the Virox uh, disinfectant so you don't cause the olfactory blindness. And, and maybe the, the, the Virox wipes are a little more expensive. So, uh, so maybe you... Maybe you just have a, a mental accounting or a physical accounting of, of how much you spend in a year on all those kind of costs. How much we spend on adapter? How much we spend on philo? How much on these on these uh, you know high value treats? Um, how much on uh, on these uh, on these other things? And then and let's just say for the, for the for the sake of argument that adds up to ten thousand dollars. Um. Well, I would argue if you have a, you know, if you have a two doctor practice, that you probably generate about ten thousand transactions. So ten thousand dollars and ten thousand transactions. It would occur to me that if I, sort of uh, across the board, uh, let my clients pay one dollar more on average for for a transaction, that that it wouldn't cost me anything at all. You know that uh, um, that that. Just like everything else in veterinary medicine, you know, we we gotta let clients pay for it. So yeah, so, so I think yeah, I think it could be I think it could be uh, you know less than a dollar per transaction, very realistically. I think, and I think fourthly, and I don't like to talk about this, and I think it's outside the scope of our conversation here, but there are uh, some might contemplate what's called a capital investment. In other words, they might be unsatisfied with their current building or. Or whatnot, and want to make it more, uh, you know, friendly. You know, maybe separate dog and cat areas, for example, those kinds of things. And that that's an entirely different kind of question. But for the for the run the mill practice, it's not contemplating knocking down the walls, uh, which fear free is not about knocking down the walls. Um, finances are never going to be an excuse for not doing it. Again, most of the things cost nothing. Uh, some of the other things are assignable to a particular patient and the third category of things in the, in the broad spectrum probably end up costing less than a dollar a transaction. And, and so you got to pass those through the clients and, and uh, let them pay for it. Right. So it's relatively cheap, if not very cheap to implement this, but you also made me wonder, can you put a value on that experience that the patient gets when they go to a fear-free veterinarian. And also you made me think about what's the price or what's the cost of not doing this? Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, if I were a practitioner, um, I would, uh, forget everything I've talked about so far. I I would be interested in fear-free because I would be afraid my colleague would be interested in fear-free and I want to be more interested and I want to be interested first because it's clearly something that the clients, I mean, the universe of the pet owning population prefers that their pet be without fear and anxiety and stress. I mean, it's, it's people are bewildered and traumatized generally. Uh, you know, when they go to the veterinary clinic, nobody takes a day off work to go hang out at the vet clinic. It's a, it's a must do, you know, it's a have to, it's, it's, it's definitely never a want to. Uh, so, so anything to me that takes pain out of that experience, anything that, that takes anxiety or stress 
for the pet or the pet owner out of that experience is likely at some level to tilt the odds towards them coming back and maybe more frequently and maybe for a longer period of time. You know, I think look no further than the experience that the profession has with cats. Uh, Cats would be in the veterinary clinic a lot more often if they enjoyed it as much as dogs. I mean, I think the reason cats are not in the veterinary hospital is principally driven by the fact that they don't want to be there. And people don't enjoy traumatizing their pets. And it causes them anxiety and stress as well as the pet. And so they avoid it. Very natural, common. I mean, they'll, they'll take the pet in when it's in crisis. Um, but the wellness visits are just too upsetting. Uh, so if you can find a way to make that experience palatable, let alone enjoyable, uh, for the patient, um, I think you'd people, you, you, you would have people that would just be brand ambassadors as well. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, people that have had a pet that they've been afraid to take to the veterinarian, uh, suddenly find solutions to that kind of thing. I mean, I think they would tell that story from the top of the mountains. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, the scope of this call today, don't even have time to get into it, but we're seeing almost every day, our certified professionals are getting Yelp reviews, Facebook reviews, all sorts of online reviews that are generally a place of concern where people leave negative reviews and impact business negatively. But what we're seeing is when they go to a fear-free practice, even if they didn't even know they were going to a fear-free practice, they've been a client before. They came back in. They haven't been in in two years. The last time they came in, it was completely different. Now they come in and there's pheromones. Their, you know, their dog's name is on a chalkboard above a water bowl next to, water bowl next to the scale. And it's completely different from what they expected. And that then becomes a platform for a you know, I think the whole marketing industry, veterinary or not, wants to put a, a dollar on, you know, positive Yelp review. But everybody knows that can impact business. How much it impacts business, you know, who knows? But there there absolutely has to be a value on that, don't you think? Well, there's no question about it. I mean, there's absolutely, it's hard, it is hard to quantify. And quite frankly, we're never, you know, no, no, no practice will ever be able to, to be able to, with any precision, say, uh, cause and effect. Uh, but let me, let me just, I mean, it's the, the, uh, just to give you a sense. Um, if you use just the, the, the lowest averages I can possibly find anywhere, let's say, a a dog, uh, spends about $300 a year. Um, the owner of the dog spends about $300 a year, um, you know, at a veterinary clinic. Well, you know, it should be, let's say, three times that amount, because um, because we know compliance is very poor today. I mean, uh, you know, most pets don't get the products and services um, that we'd like them to have. But and let's just say, but, but so let's just say it's an average pet. That's so three hundred dollars a year. And let's just say it's uh, uh, the dog lives, you know, like an average age, say twelve years old. So twelve years, three hundred dollars a year, uh, three thousand six hundred dollars. Um, and again, this is, I can't make it any more conservative or lower than this. Now the average family or the average, average pet lives in a multi-pet household. So let's just go ahead and multiply that by two, because uh, most pets don't live alone in the aggregate. Uh, so, um, 
you know, we had 3,600 on the one hand, and let's just add another 3,600, you know, suddenly you're up to 7,200, and, you know, do you think you'll have any more pets, uh, you know, a typical family over the course? Well, of course they will. So suddenly you're, we're quickly over, you know, north of $10,000. And to think that if I make this person happy because of the experience that their pet has here today, then I'm a whole lot more likely to be part of that $10,000. And that pet's likely to, to live a lot longer and be a lot healthier and a lot more pain-free than if there were no veterinary care in its life. Um, so here's, here's, here's the, you know, I, I can measure that part of it, but I'll never know, you know, the cocktail party they were at, the sporting event, the baseball game, they were watching the soccer practice with the kids when they told somebody else about how, um, just how gentle and how kind and how considerate and, and how um, comfortable it was for them and their pet the last time they went to your veterinary clinic. And, 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 and so somebody else decides to bring their pets, you know, so there's another 10,000. And do they have a good experience? And do they ever tell anyone? So, so you never know. I mean, it's a butterfly effect, but it's, uh, I would argue it's quantum potential, uh, but you're never going to be able to draw connections. But, but, but uh, between cause and effect. But like you said earlier, I mean, and, and I think I said earlier too, I'd be afraid not to do it um, because I can't remember the guy's name. It was one of the uh, um, chief executives of Ford Motor Company. Had a great quote one time. He said, "You know, if if we were not customer driven, our cars won't be either." And uh, that's that's the situation here. I mean, as a veterinarian, it doesn't really matter uh, what we want. I mean, all that matters is what what pet owners want and what you know what clients want. And and with certainty, I can tell you, they want um, they want experiences with as little or no fear, anxiety, and stress as possible. I mean, of course, they want that. And if they have that, they're likely to return and tell other folks about you. So. It's not just, it doesn't just make financial sense, but it also makes sense from a customer service perspective, which is at the end of the day, probably one of the most important aspects of what we do in the veterinary community yeah, every day. Absolutely. Well, and we, and I, and I think we're just now, I mean, Alex, I mean, it's, we're just touching on some of the benefits here. I mean, uh, how do you quantify the fact that fewer people are getting injured at work. Uh, well, it's pretty easy to quantify over a period of time. Um, decreases in our workman's comp rates, maybe. Uh, but but what about the morale associated with fewer workplace injuries? What if it's a funner place to work? What if it? What if we become the employer of choice in our area, where you know veterinary technicians just want to come to work and veterinarians want to come to work. And, and so we get the pick of the litter and, 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 and what if we retain staff or doctors uh, the way otherwise we're lost because we have this carefree environment and culture. I mean, there's, and, and, and yeah, there, there's no way you can really kind of get your arms around with all the different benefits. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that in my mind, it's what clients want. Uh, in my mind, it's what the healthcare team wants. That's how the healthcare team wants to deliver veterinary care. And look, anything that 
makes clients happy, causes them to come back, is going to result in a healthier, more profitable, more saleable business. Right, right. And we didn't even get into that. And again, another very difficult to quantify aspect of all of this is, you know, what's the price of a positive culture in your practice? You know, I mean, that really from what we hear is a side effect of Fear Free that people are loving what they do more than ever when that has been a historically somewhat serious issue with our profession. No doubt. Yeah, anything that uh, anything that improves, you know, makes us a better place to work is, is always going to be in our face best interest. All right, well, that's all I got today for you, Fritz. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and expertise today and all that you've done for Fear Free and look forward to the, the years to come as we uh, get even more traction going forward. All right, Alex. Well, thank you. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to continuing to work together. For all of our listeners out there, be sure to check out the August issue of AHA's Trends for 